You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Uh, If you've listened to this show in the past, you're definitely familiar with my next guest. He's been on the show several times. It's my brother, Mr. Chris Vanger. Welcome to Vangerville. There you go. Welcome back, man. Oh, man. Great to be back. Love this show. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Love being on it. What are we going to talk about? I don't have any plans. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Um, a, probably it's, you know, it's World <laughs> Series game three. Uh, mm-hmm. I just had a film class. <laughs> I just, I had a film class this week where we had to discuss One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm. Okay. And the one scene that's probably my favorite scene in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest after watching it for the first time having, and I only, I still haven't even finished it. Uh, I actually tried to be, you know, I have to watch a film every single week. And sometimes I'm behind on that film and can't get it. And then there's an assignment with it. So, you know, these days I could watch a little bit of it and see how it ends and try to make my answer just to get the assignment. But the one scene that really stuck out to me is when he is announcing the World Series, like the TV, you know? Have you seen seen it? Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it. So there's a scene where he's in this, Jack is in in the clinic and he's wanting to, all he cares about is it's World Series game two or something right and he's trying to get nurse ratchet to let uh the patients and everyone watch the world series and she makes him vote and she even though he gets the number of votes she still won't let them watch the world series and so then he just goes over to the tv like hoping she's going to turn on the world series and she doesn't but he just decides to start announcing what's happening on the world series like really like energetic baseball announcer and it gets all the guys to come around and like pretend to be involved in this game where there's nothing on TV, but Jack Nicholson is creating the baseball game because the World Series is so important to him. And so that's my favorite scene. So I figured we could talk about the World Series since your team's in it. It's awesome. They are in it. I was surprised. I didn't think they were going to be you know the Dodgers. It's so hard to repeat, right? Can you hear the garter? Sure. Oh, I can. Damn it. It's not, it's not that bad. We'll see if I can hate tone him. it down. And he comes so inconsistent when he comes, right? Like he's supposed to come Friday at this time, but he hasn't been. He's coming Saturdays now. Mm. So I apologize. Did we? You want to wait, or you want to keep going? Nah, it's fine. I'll, I'll have right. uh, some. There's background music now during the show, so it'll drown out some of the. Let's get in low underlying. Okay. Stuff. So anyway, you. I. I think I was on this show last time, and I predicted. Rays Dodgers completely wrong like literally the opposite of Rays Dodgers would be Astros Braves but <laughs> after watching it like the Dodgers just everyone you know think about from even Trevor Bauer right they just tried to pick people up lose people and then at the end the best pitcher they had Scherzer had a dead arm and it just they couldn't they ran out of gas literally and the Atlanta Braves had built a freaking great team after losing Acuna they built a freaking great team and yeah, they got some. They, they got win. some major bats. You know what? It's, it's guys hard to coming get, through. Hard to get through that lineup. All, 
first of all, Eddie Rosario was the AL or the NLCS MVP, right? He was unbelievable. Yes. He was an all-star a year ago or two years ago on the Twins. The dude was a beast. And just with injuries and teams not fitting, go wanting to go young, the Braves swooped him up and he became the Eddie Rosario that was an all-star. And to the point where any right-handed pitcher that he faced, he was locked in. The best pitch, even Urias, he was locked in on. Now, whether that's because they had dead arms or not, it more probably that Eddie Rosario just found that click. And also the best first baseman in the game is batting right behind him. So he's probably seen a lot of great pitches. Uh, the one at game when he hit the three-run home run with two strikes, not sure. Like They didn't want to walk him at all to get to Freeman. Maybe they should have walked rosario right there to put him on first base because first base was open and pitched to freeman but they were scared of freeman and that's why he got strikes and he hit one out what a game yeah. what, a, what a player yeah the braves lineup is tough and it's like looking at the team i'm like okay i recognize more players than i initially thought uh, but still like a lot of their lineup is new this year and like you said Baseball is kind of a war of attrition, so it's not so much yeah. about like getting to 106 wins, getting to 108 wins. It's about getting your team healthy and playing well at the end of the season when the playoffs start. Right, and, and that's having what the Braves have done really well. I'm looking at their lineup right now, and so you're facing a righty, uh, and you're leading off Rosario, which I think he's not typically a leadoff hitter. I don't think he's led off for any other team. This is just in baseball these days with analytics, like Eddie Rosario is a good leadoff hitter. He takes a lot of pitches because uh, most of the time, most teams put him in the middle of the order to drive in runs, but you want this guy to get as many at-bats as possible. He's the hottest hitter on the team, and you put Freddie Freeman right behind him. Most of the time, Freddie Freeman would be in the three-hole, four-hole, but they have him in the two. The analytics now say put your best hitter in the two-hole, even though throughout baseball, it was always the three-hole, but with analytics yeah. now, it's the two-hole. And then Ozzie Albies is your three guy who's your infield is the best infield in baseball. I don't know how that happened. Austin Riley took a big step from yeah. he's the MVP candidate. Dansby Swanson was a first pick, first round pick, top five pick that all of a sudden figured it out, right? And they hit the 26, 27 year old. So Dansby Swanson's an amazing shortstop. Ozzie Albies an all star. Freddie Freeman is an MVP. You have the best infield in the league out of nowhere because Austin Riley and these guys stayed healthy. Yeah, I think the Braves infields combined for like 400 RBIs or some crazy thing. Oh my like gosh, that. and they're all 25 plus home run guys. Like in baseball, analytics yeah. say home runs. Why bunt when I could hit a home run? And your guys, all the infielders hit home runs. And so you had Acuna and you had this great outfield. Acuna goes down, they're like, let's just get a shitload of outfielders. We'll pick up Jock. We'll pick up Rosario. We'll pick up Duvall. Those are massive home run hitters. And again, yeah. strikeouts and home runs is what wins in baseball these days. And the Braves have it. And I, I think my bias of wanting the Dodgers to win didn't see how good this Braves team actually was. And they came through and they killed the Dodgers and they, I hope they win. I hate the Astros. Yeah. I, I still thought the Dodgers had the better pitching, but the Braves lineup, like I said, is hard to get through. So even if you have good pitching, you still have to go through those pitchers, a didn't really live difficult up. lineup. No. And those pitchers didn't live up to the hype that they you're that you're saying they're best, that they're the best pitchers. Scherzer wasn't Scherzer. The, the last the guy won NL outstanding pitcher of the year last night in the major league players association vote he won mm. the Cy Young if it was the player's choice and he died his last month was not good and he, when he's saying he's got a dead arm he wanted to start game six he's like I don't have it 
He was supposed to start game six to get to Bueller. So they had to start yeah. Bueller on an extra day. The way Dave Roberts worked his pitching staff, and it's like Dave Roberts, Andrew Friedman, who's whatever his role is there, they believe in analytics. But at some point, like the choices that they're making ran out, like baseball. It's like these fourth down calls in the NFL. Sometimes the, you want to go with the analytics, but you should really go with what the your baseball gut says. And whose baseball gut says to bring in Urias in game two when you're up one? Have you done that all year? And Urias, who you were overusing, is facing lefties, but obviously these lefties were locked in, and he gives up a couple big runs when the Dodgers had the lead in game two, and they should have won that game. And then Urias is tired the rest of the series. Like, it just caught up to the Dodgers. I'm not saying Dave Roberts did a bad job. I think he's one of the best managers in baseball. I think the way the Dodgers play baseball is the way they should play baseball. But I wish at some times they would go against the analytics and go with your baseball gut. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, so what have you seen through the World Series games one and two so far? So I haven't been able to fully sit down and watch. If A, I am not as into this World Series. So I'm not going to move my schedule around to watch these games. If the Dodgers were in it, probably. But an East Coast World Series, like, I don't really like the Astros. I don't really like watching them play. Um, and then after watching the Braves beat the Dodgers, I'm like, oh, you know. But I do am rooting for Freddie Freeman. And what I've seen so far is exactly what you would think would happen in any good World Series with two good teams. The Braves came out early and got to... Uh, that the first, I can't remember who started for them in game one. Um, I think it's Valdez, who's been it lights was. out the whole season for Houston. What a great pitcher. And they just got to him because that Braves lineup is locked in and faces, when you face a righty with this lineup, they're tough. And I think they got to him early. I think, I can't remember, didn't Solaire lead the game off with a home run? Yeah, first time ever that the leadoff hitter in the first inning hit a home run in the World Series. So is, I can't, you know what, I haven't watched, is Valdez, Valdez is a lefty, right? He's a lefty, and what I saw yeah, in game two Valdez is that whoever's throwing lefties in this series is going to get beat, so. It's true, because what, you guys <laughs> threw three in the better right-handed arms, Sam. What? Houston? Uh uh Yeah, we went, uh it was Charlie We Morton went Freed in game two, start. and Freed who, For, he, yep. It's so funny. One of my friends, ex-girlfriends, who's also my friend. She's cool. She's always supported what I do. She is dating Freed. <laughs> so she's like, she's like at all like where the the wives are. I think she is. I haven't like asked her, but she's like referenced that she would bring Max like into Milo and Olive. So I think they're dating, and it's pretty obvious they are. And so I'm like, I'm rooting for him. I want him to do well. And the last couple games, he has not. No. He's given, but those right-handed hitters are tough. The Astros have great right-handed hitters. I believe Max will get another big start in this series. And I, I think he'll come through. He's a great pitcher. And and I'm excited. I think this goes seven, obviously. Yeah. Right? Well, now that, well, Morton's leg is broken. So he's not coming back for the rest of the series. It's fine. It's fine. Morton was a big part of your team. But at this point, in the season you lose one guy it does hurt but you're gonna battle through it and figure it out even if the braves have to do a bullpen game there is something to this like bullpen dave roberts started to do it like the bullpen game is a must but also yeah. it's like i kind of like doing it because it kind of throws off the what the other team's trying to do with diff it's not the same and so they so the bullpen game isn't the worst thing so who's game game who's tonight tonight their face have you ever watched louis garcia pitch 
No. He was on my fantasy team. He was pretty good, but he is wild. And what I like about the Braves is they grind at bats and they foul pitches off. And he got lit up in one game against Tampa and he got one great win against Tampa. I think the clinching game, actually, or the Red Sox, one of the two. So I think the Braves get to him tonight and get Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson's been your guy, but it's a pretty, it's probably the biggest start of his career. He's For a sure. second year guy. But that's going to be a great game. I told Dad to watch it. I wish I could watch it. And they haven't announced yeah. starters for Game Four yet, so no one even knows. Yeah, they're all playing. It's all their game cards by game, close to their chest. Did you watch yeah, the I'm football not gonna... game last night? I did. Unless there's no, yeah. I don't want to move on. I was I was trying to make a no, correlation. No, 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 no. Fourth downs. The you're fourth good. Down... Uh, you're the only one to pick Green Bay this week. Oh yeah, so I was you're actually you're change. ahead in the picks. <laughs> oh, I needed that. I needed that. I've been did. so terrible at pick them this year. I like don't think about the gate. Like every, I'm so flippant with my picks. You're great. You do research. You write a really great blog that I've definitely read about who you think. It's very detailed. You do a great job. I should do that with every game. I'm just like meh, meh, flip. Like the first week, which turned out to be my detriment. I think I was terrible. Every other week, I've been like okay, nine, ten, eleven. That first week, I just didn't care, and everyone got this jump on me. And so now, when I'm making my picks. Is there a part of me that's like, I should go against the grain here because I need to make up ground. But then that has yeah. hurt me before. But last night, I just felt like the pack were going to win for some one of those things where it's like all the <laughs> odds are stacked against them. For some reason yeah. in the NFL, all the odds are stacked against you. Everyone's picking against you. You win. And I felt like last yeah. night was one of those things, but they should have lost. <laughs> they should have lost. It's funny that last play of the game. I'm like, okay, they got AJ Green one on one at the top of the screen. Yeah, like you just you got to throw him like a back shoulder fade here, and for some reason the miscommunication, like AJ thought it was a run play or something, but he's got to know that with 15 seconds and no timeouts, like there's no chance it's a run play. So that's a communication error with a new guy on a new team, but they got the look they wanted, and they had four shots at it from right there. Uh, so th they had a chance, but you know, credit to Green Bay. Uh oh, your audio is dead. Can you hear me? I was on mute. I was on mute. I heard you. Um, I thought Green Bay played a perfect football game, even though at the end they, they almost did. gave it away. Uh, they should have scored that one yard touchdown. It looked like a touchdown. Why? How could you overturn that touchdown? The Aaron yeah, Jones his, his, yeah, his butt hit the ground. I just they didn't have a great uh, replay angle to overturn it. But I agree. They just saw that it's like he's sitting down. And there's no way that the ball's in the end zone with where his butt is. So, yeah, yeah. But typically, you're right that like you need to be able to like see a clear view of the ball in order to really overturn that. So, it was a little sketch. But uh, no, the because... Packers did a great job. And as I was like breaking down that game, I'm like, can the Packers win this? Yes, they can. And the way that they're going to do it is Aaron Jones is going to have a big game, and they're going to run the ball a lot because the Cardinals can't stop the run. And J.J. Watt missing from that defense is already showing Crazy. that it's going to be a major issue for them. Crazy. Crazy. It was so true. Um, they ran the ball really well, and I thought A.J. Dillon probably had his best game as yeah. a Packer because yeah. their offense was kind of stagnant with Jones. He 
started to get going, of course, but he's very much a kind of reminds me of not Le'Veon Bell, not as like patient as that, but like he's looking for a hole to go. He's not hitting the hole off a decision. And also he, he started to finish run strong after Dylan started to finish some runs strong. It was weird, yeah. but Dylan really kind of got that offense going. And, and I think Matt LaFleur noticed that, that Dylan was in that whole drive that they scored that first touch or the, they got down there, that 14 play great drive where he finds Cobb in the end zone. Uh, I know he found him twice. The first one, that was a Dylan drive. I'm like, aren't you bringing in Aaron Jones here? Like what's going on? And they did bring him in. Uh, the first touchdown was Jones, right? The first one was Jones and that was all Dylan. And then the second drive was Cobb. But yeah, Dylan was massive and the Packers ran the ball. Aaron Rodgers is so good at, I guess, is there a, is there a stat that measures uh, time of possession because of the quarterback? Because he's so good at just like, we need four yards here, five yards here, six, and getting exactly that and snapping it at one second. You could tell their whole strategy was keep Kyler Murray off the field. Yeah. And it worked. I know. And it, I mean, it says that Arizona is still actually pretty good, that they basically played a crappy game. Their defense didn't hold up for them. Even they didn't though have a bad. healthy number one. Yeah. Hockey they were better on defense. They were better on defense uh, than Green Bay, basically in every major category. And yeah. the one area, red zone defense, where Green Bay really sucks, they kind of like clamp down a little bit. And, Arizona still found their way to get into the game and to have a shot. And I figured Chase Edmonds would have a good game, and he did. And Connor scored a couple of touchdowns. But, yeah, you take Hopkins away from that offense, and all of a sudden— They couldn't move it. Uh, oh. Yeah, plus um, they were on their third-string center, too, which is always a huge question mark because that center is the quarterback of the O-line. And if that guy—like, there was a fumbled snap that was a big play when they were driving. On that final pilot, drive. Yeah, he just had to dive on it. And then the clock management right at the end of that where Kyler dove and they gave him a first down, even though he didn't get the first down, there's about 30 seconds on the clock. And then they lined up and ran it again after that and then called timeout. And they should have just spiked it once they got the first down or called the timeout right there. You know what? I honestly, I think they, because I feel like there was one play in the game where they called him short when it didn't look like he was short. Because nowadays when the quarterback goes head first, they like stop it right when he starts to go head first. They don't give him like where he lands with the ball. It's like there's a new rule where the quarterback dives head first. They go like, okay, you started your slide right there. You don't get the extra yards. And I feel like that was maybe not that play, but there was one of those plays like that. But yeah, their time management at the end was horrendous. Um, they should have won. And they can't move the ball without Hopkins on the field. Those other receivers, also, he missed Kirk for teeter right down he the did, middle. Yeah. And that's because the their O-line was getting beat up. And it was yeah, funny, I was yeah. talking, uh, your dad had called, and I was talking to him about kind of like how Arizona operates and how they give, like, Kyler room. And I was like, it's all about them, like, basically, like, zone pass blocking because they need to give him room to see down the field. And they yeah. were getting that that uh guard and center like back in his face so he was having trouble seeing so he couldn't like step up and make that throw so he had to like backpedal a little bit push the lineman yeah. away to try to create space and they just like collapsed the pocket in his face and he had nowhere to go so he couldn't even make a lot of those running plays that he was accustomed to they Kenny did a good Clark, job 
Yeah, Kenny Clark is one of the best defensive players on the field for Green Bay, if not when he's just on the field anyway. He was awesome. He, they had push every single uh every single pass play. It seemed like they had push on that offensive line and it fucked it made Kyler not be as Kyler as he could be. That one throw to Hopkins, which was a touchdown, but he had a weird face mask. Such a weird play. Yeah. Such a weird play that what what's the corner doing on that play like he's with Hopkins but he's not aware of the ball and Hopkins is aware of the ball and he just breaks and he gets his touch and why is Hopkins grabbing the face mess that was a touchdown yeah it's like I think it's just a little bit unintentional where he's reaching out to stiff arm him and then like as his hand goes onto the mask it just closes he a little grabs, bit and then he once did. he he did, and it was the right call to take the touchdown away. But that play, like the throw that Kyler made, was incredible because he kind of almost threw it blind. He just threw it up the sideline knowing that his guy was going to be there. Yeah. Hopkins along the sideline, like you said, he noticed the defender didn't have his head around. Awareness. And he didn't even yeah. – he gave him just like a subtle little wiggle to make him think he's going to change direction a little bit, and then he was able yeah. to get that extra step on him. And, yeah, th you know, that play could have changed the game right there but didn't that's a big i mean they ended up did they score on that possession they did right they scored a they scored on the possession yeah i believe so. so it didn't matter in the long run um i mean i loved it i think the packers are tough it's not starting to remind me of the they beat a team that was seven and zero without their best receiver arguably the best receiver in football and yeah. it's obvious how important he is to that offense but they matched up with a team that can't stop the run and losing their d end the day before uh it was wild i bet you a lot of people in vegas made money oh yeah or vegas matt made LaFleur, a lot of money yeah matt lafleur did a really good job of figuring out after that initial drive uh how they needed to approach things because like yeah. Amari cooper was dropping shit like tanyan wasn't getting open and then tanyan tears his acl so it's like of course Terrible. i pick up i pick up tanyan another guy on ir so now i have like five players on ir Terrible. all in the same week Terrible sanders too. hated it um yeah it hated sucked it. to see that at the end of the game but um what i was saying is like they're having so much difficulty actually throwing the ball with these new pieces in place and getting oh, them to course. make catches that they just doubled down on the run and that's where like Dylan ended up coming in and having a huge impact yeah, in that game. For sure. Also, their game plan and practice during the week, knowing these receivers are out, is like we're going to throw short passes. We're going to line Aaron Jones up in the, in the slot, and we're going to just have him run a little like flat route just to get him in open space. Um, and the, you could see those receivers were needed practice. The Equanius St. Brown, he made a couple good catches. Like they did enough. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is just so good. He's just such a good football player. That one pass to Cobb, the second one, where he pumps the sidearm throw but then comes back to the middle, he's just amazing. And he's 7-0 and when they don't have Adams, which is wild. And they, it's starting to look to me now after this seven-game winning streak that maybe it is the last dance for them. You know, they said that at the beginning of the year that at, this is the last time, this is the last year you're going to see this team together. And they definitely, is it Packers-Bills? Is that what we're seeing? That would be awesome. Nah, you know me. I don't have any faith in the Packers. They I did know, a good job they're... in that game, and they beat an Arizona team that is still, you know, reasonably young. They had got out to be 7-0, and and they're, of course, like, number one in the power rankings, and they should be because they were undefeated at that point. Like, their quality wins were much better than the Packers. But the Packers have a huge experience advantage at the quarterback position, yeah. and it showed in so. a game like that. Um, 
I'll say the the Packers are, you know, they're maybe not even the best team in the NFC right now. I mean, they probably get the crown. I'll give it to them for the time being because they dethroned the seven and O team. But mm-hmm. the Rams are the Rams are still a really bad matchup for the Packers. Uh, the Bucks still Dallas. Like, there's some really good NFC teams that are out there. And the truth is, the Cardinals might actually have been the weakest of all of those top teams in the NFC. They just happened to have the undefeated record at the time. I think that all of the other teams have some weaknesses they need to address. All the teams that you just mentioned, the Bucks, the Rams, they all have these weaknesses that you need to address. The Packers made it to the NFC Championship last year. And just like I think the Bills, who made it to the AFC Championship last year, you got to lose to get there. I feel like this is one of Aaron Rodgers' last hurrahs. We've seen all the time where quarterbacks go on these last hurrahs, just like Brady's having. Like, And I just think that the Packers... I'm a Niner fan, and I believe the 49ers can still get there. But if I had to choose another team to get to the bowl, I'm thinking Bills, Packers. I just think the Packers are... are... Matt LaFleur's record is wild. Now, whether that's because of Aaron Rodgers, probably is. Um, If the Packers are healthy, they're going to be tough. Yeah, I agree. Just the Packers team that I'm looking at, I don't see a Packers team that got better in the offseason. Like, they're still the same team. They're still good at all the same things that they do. Maybe mm. maybe they're going to run the ball a little bit better. Maybe not, but the Bucks are still there. The Bucks are going to give them problems no matter what. I see, and I guess I see it. The Bucks got worse. The Packers Ow. are getting better. The, well, the, Bucks, the Bucks lost corners. They don't have cornerbacks. And yeah, they didn't, you they didn't get... get worse from last year to this year. They've been beat up in the secondary so far this season. Yeah. yeah. So you're saying the improving of their team. The, I mean, didn't the Packers pick up Devondre Campbell, who's been a lot, very big linebacker defensive presence for them this year. Um, they obviously picked up Rasul Douglas off the street. The dude makes a big play. It's like there's something going on there that, that you know, Bakhtiari comes back next week. I think, which is one of the best offensive linemen in the league. Yeah, so they're just going to get, they're just going to get better. Uh, Jair Alexander isn't even playing for them. He's one of the best corners in the league. So when they get him back, I think when you're able to win games without your best players, it just shows how good a team you are. And yeah, a hundred percent. Like as an, or, as a, yeah, as an organization, like they definitely have a significant edge there over the Cardinals, right? Like yeah. Green Bay is accustomed to like going deep into seasons, understanding when we're shorthanded, like how we're going to make those adjustments. Like they know how to play as underdogs in these situations. So it's like, I think, yeah, there's a lot to be said for organizationally from the top down. Like even when the Cardinals were a good team, like that was a much different Cardinals team than we're looking at right now. Which one? The the, the like Carson Palmer, uh, Kurt Warner team that was basically like challenging Seattle. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I was when they showed the highlights of some of the games that think about the games that Aaron Rodgers has lost in that stadium. Yes, think he's won a bunch, but in big moments, what two playoff overtime games you've lost in that stadium? Like he wanted to win, and I'm sure it was killing him that he couldn't be on the field at the end to win. It seems like also a lot of times he's lost, he's been on the sidelines. Um, I just I think that it's Aaron's year. Gosh darn it! Yeah. I mean, I don't think so, but we'll see. Yeah. I hope not, because if it's his year, then it's not my year. So well, no, but it's it's you guys are gonna clash. I think those are the two best two best quarterbacks you could say in the league. Well, I mean, you have to put Aaron Rodgers up there because he is the MVP. So he's the defending MVP of the yeah. league at whatever his age is. I know Brady's the man, he won the Super Bowl, but Aaron Rodgers won the MVP. 
and it's going to be Bucks, probably be Bucks Packers again. And I'll tell you what, what is super important probably is the one seat, right? Because that's the only yep. team that gets a bye. And it's the only team that, I mean, obviously home field advantage. You got to go to Lambeau and beat Aaron. That's tough. That's Bucks tough. did it already last season, so it's not they impossible. It. No, it is not impossible. They did. Was was the Bucks Packers last year a NFC Championship, right? Correct. In Green Bay, and the Bucks smoked. Correct. Them. Correct. Yeah. Kick their ass. I don't think that would happen again. Why not? I just don't. Say say the Bucks get healthy. What's the difference? I think the Packers are better on defense, and I think you have a whole game to watch of what they did and the pressure that they were able to get yesterday on Kyler Murray, they weren't getting that pressure on Tom Brady. And and I don't know if they weren't healthy or what, but I think if, if the Packers are healthy and the Bucks are healthy, that's going to be a fucking great football game. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I want to see it be a again. blowout. Yeah, I think they're probably still the two best teams. Like, the Rams are good, but their defense isn't what it was last year, and Stafford still likes to I don't have faith roll the, the dice and yeah it, and honestly it's like Stafford is a slight improvement from uh Goff but he still makes bad plays in close games that you don't really want to mm. have go against you like yeah. their defense will carry them they're probably number three Dallas is still kind of young so it's like I don't Dallas know the is Dallas a dark horse they the could coach. be really good yeah nobody wants to play Dallas I, I would say that's one of the teams you don't want to play um, Correct. but I will say that Stafford is, a. I would argue he's a massive improvement over Goff. Um, I think it shows that his QBR is by far the most in the league. He's leading the league in QBR by far because of his decision-making. There was one game where the Cardinals got him and he was making terrible decisions, made terrible throws. Um, I want to, he just doesn't have the experience in the massive game yet. Right. So in his first time in the NFC championship in this biggest stage, is he going to perform at that level? I want to say yes, because he's a great pro, but who knows? Usually the first time you're there, you don't perform well, unless you're Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, well, but even I'm, him, looking, I'm looking more at uh, like the Colts game. Like Stafford threw some really bad passes, got picked off in a spot that like let the Colts be close in that yeah, game. Yeah, those are bad throws. Uh, even like play, Those are just yeah. bad throws. Played poor against the Cardinals, like didn't play great against the Lions. And obviously the Lions were going to come out and play as hard as they can trying to like get that revenge game. But, you know, I just against like really bad teams, of course, the Rams are good and he's going to excel. So it's like I need to see the Rams play better competition. And then in the game against Tampa Bay, that was like the plague came and wiped out the whole secondary for Tampa and Stafford mm -hmm. should have gotten picked, but Jamel Dean, the ball, like hit him in the face and dropped. And that was very early in that game before he got hurt. And then there was like no secondary. So of course the Rams go down up and down the field on him. But you know, they're looking to trade Deshaun Jackson right now before the trade deadline that. comes in. So it's like, why even bring him in to like not utilize him? And then well, move on he's from yeah, he's uh, McVeigh likes the other guy, Jefferson. He likes the young guy. Yeah, he's good. And so I think and I see why Deshaun wants to be traded. They could probably get something good for Deshaun. There are so many teams out there that need a receiver. It's interesting that Deshaun says this right after the Packers need a receiver. Yeah. They would never have traded Deshaun to the Packers. No. They're going to trade him um, somewhere in the AFC. Speaking Baltimore. of the AFC and awkward trades, what's going on with Marlon Mack? Is he going to get traded somewhere? I, I think him it's up insignificant. Like it's been a month. I think it's insignificant either way. Um, 
I don't think even if he got traded to a good team that needs a running back, that he would make an impact. I think that's a lot of media talk because there's a lot of teams that these media guys think they need running backs, but they really don't because anyone can be a good running back. Um, and like what, who are some of the teams that they've been mentioned that are wanting Marlon Mack? Kansas City? 40, Kansas 49ers. City who, I don't think the 49ers need a running back. I like our rookie that we I, have. Yeah, I don't Mitchell. think so either. You, you guys have like five running backs and they, they all kind of yeah. do the same thing. So as long as you block well enough, like they'll all produce. Also, it just seems like Kyle Shanahan needs a guy that's fast. That's what I've heard that in this zone run scheme, you just need a guy that's fast. And the one thing about Mostert is that he is fast, but he's yep. brittle. And Elijah Mitchell, like he's pretty built, it looks like. Um, and he's very he's like the fastest Mitchell. running back on the team. And so, yeah, that was a diamond in the rough find. And I think he's our running back. And so I'm fine with not trading for Marlon Mack, who has an injury history. Um, and I just don't, I think in the NFL now, these offenses are not easy to learn. And you can't guarantee that a guy's going to be able to come in there and do what they want. And they're going to give them a game or two to do it, not going to stick with them. No one sticks with these guys. Like, you've got to perform um, or you don't get carries or you don't get snaps. Or you're on a team where everyone's injured. And so I just, I think that, I don't, I bet you they cut him, honestly. Yeah, the Browns were in the running, but then like Ernest Johnson comes in and plays incredible exactly. against Denver. And then Nick Chubb is back. So it's like, yeah. all right, Hunt is, Hunt is still on IR for a little bit, but you got your number one back. Your number three guy is very capable. So they're fine. The Niners, yeah. like they're getting a lot of their guys back. They're fine. The Ravens, like Latavius just went down with an ankle injury. If he goes to IR, then maybe. But you still have Tyson Williams, who had a very good week one. Uh, Devonta Freeman, Devonta Freeman looks good in that offense. Yeah, he's Bell been looks productive. good in that offense. Yeah, Bell hasn't done too much yet, but he did score. So it's a positive sign for a guy who's struggled over the last few seasons. But that's a running team. Everything is designed to make those guys succeed. So I don't know that they're going to overreach and especially against someone who's potentially like a, a playoff rival if the Colts get their shit in, enough together down the stretch. Is he the number two back on the Colts? He's basically Taylor's backup. Yeah. But he's the number three guy because Hines is the third down. The back. third down back. So it would so require like get yeah, an injury. Yeah. If Taylor were to be injured, then Mac would get the first and second down and Hines are getting the third. And sometimes Hines is depending on how hot he is, is getting a couple drives. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he gets traded. I don't know, because they What's have the... uh they have the, the other there's another Jordan Wilkins, another running back who's yeah. on IR for them right now, too. So it's like the Colts aren't short at running back. And I just don't know what team they could trade him to and get anything from at this point. Like if I'm if you're Buffalo and maybe Moss mm -hmm. or Singletary goes down, that's a decent fit. But it's like they have Breda, they have Antonio Williams, guys in their system that like know how the Bills operate. So yeah. he doesn't even slot in well there unless both Singletary and Moss go down. So you're gonna have to. And really you need both of those deal. guys. If the yeah, if the yeah. Bills want to get there, they need both of those guys. We need to see They've some more Singletary. The Bills got to stop throwing the ball 50 times a game. I can't stand it. They love it. They're like, we want to throw all the time. And it's like, yeah, guess what? Both times you guys threw the ball 50 times, you lost. Yeah. I think they just love having the ball in Josh Allen's hands. And why would yeah, you? Yeah, that's fine. Like, I'm not even upset with, like, that fourth down call. Like, I'm not. I don't. The game they lost against oh, Tennessee. Yeah, I, I, like, that's, that's a game they yeah. could have won. But you had Singletary averaging more than five yards a carry. 
and you just didn't give him the ball. It's like he came in, ran it five times for like 20-something yards, and then they go to Moss, who ran it eight times for fewer yards than Singletary. So I just, like, I don't understand, like, how they're trying to utilize their running back scheme. It's like you got Singletary in there running hard, getting good yards. You're playing with the lead, and then you have the fourth quarter lead, and you refuse to run the ball, and you throw it six straight times and punt, and then you lose the lead, and then then you're forced to try and come back and win the game on that quarterback sneak play, where it's like you had the lead in the fourth quarter with the ball, and yeah. you're out there throwing six straight times. That I, think I don't. They're like. learning how to have a ball control offense, and I also think there's an element of keep your foot on the gas against some of these teams. Just score, um, and you go on to find the hybrid between that of like the ball control offense and scoring. I feel like that's what the Packers were trying to do last night, um, and they were running the ball well. I don't think I've ever seen the Bills run the ball that well, um, and they'd love to. I think they would love to. Um, they that game is frustrating. They've lost. They the Bills should be seven and zero. They lost two terrible games where they hurt themselves. Uh, yep, both. Had, I still had fourth quarter and lead in both those games. I still think it's like the fourth down. It's like the new thing to like win the game with the fourth down. Fourth down and one. Like there was an opportunity yesterday when the Packers could have kicked a field goal and made it 27-21, but you're putting the ball back in Kyler Murray's hands. And maybe in a game like that where you have no players and you're on the road, that's probably the best decision. Um, but it kind of could have killed them, right? Because if they would have kicked the field goal right there, then Murray's got to score a touchdown. Instead of, at yeah. one point in the game, they were so comfortable, they're like, we got the field goal to tie, and it took a terrible miscommunication for the Packers to win, but they were going to probably get tied and probably lose. And I think just like with the Bills game, I still like kicking the field goal right there and playing with a good defense. A lot of it's trust in your team. I know you're on the road. I know that's an inch. I know Josh Allen 16 of 18 times gets it, but he slipped and that's the fucking NFL. Like, I I know these analytics calls is the right, yeah. It was in that situation, Tennessee had scored six straight times. Three straight times, I know. Six. Six straight times. Six straight times to close that game out. So the Bills defense was, they had no chance. Not stopping they, they, Yeah. Yeah. And McDermott was basically telling his team, like, look, we can kick the field goal and then you guys got to play defense and like win it in overtime. Or we try to win it right here because we have no confidence that we can stop them. And I think that's more what it came down to was that like we need to win because if this goes to overtime, you know, it's a coin toss and we're not stopping them. So, yeah, I, I think it's tough. I think it's a tough way to lose a game that. And yeah. I, but af- yeah, after. After that game, I did like crazy research on the Bills. And I don't know if you ended up listening to that episode I did after that loss. But I Uh dove like crazy into the numbers. And I just want to point out this. I mean, so the Bills have had 22 touchdown drives. And their their total play distribution on those drives is 102 passes to 80 rushes. That's 56 to 40, 56 to 44%. On their field goal, on their field goal drives, their pass distribution is 73 passes to 27 total rushes. So their pass distribution is 73% on all of their field goal drives. And a hundred percent of those drives started with the pass. So it's like the more I break down the numbers, it's like in every important category, turnover on downs, they throw the ball 70% of the time, uh, interceptions. Those are drives where they're throwing 86% of the time 
All total turnovers combined, 70% pass distribution. All drives that end in punts, 65% pass distribution. And so it's like the closer they are to 50-50, the more success they have, yet I still argue with fans all the time that want to see them throw the ball 50 times a game. Yeah, And I'm I like, mean, the, think... the numbers do not back up what you're talking about. And so I got into this argument with someone that was saying that uh, every time the Bills run, they go three and out. And I'm like, that's just not true. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, but that's just simply not the factual information yeah. that's available. That's really interesting. Those are all good stats. I think that I wish I was watching football and there was like a green light and it's like, this is the play that was called. But Josh Allen now has changed it, right? So the reason maybe, is there a reason that maybe they're throwing more because Josh Allen's seen something and they know the Bills are kind of covering the run and he's checking to a pass. Uh, because I think that's a lot of what's happening on the field is what he sees uh, in the defense. And, you know, I would think most teams would want the Bills to run the ball. Right? Yeah, and I, I would also say that you have to consider that at least half of Josh Allen or half of the half of the run plays that are attributed to Allen are pass plays that he pulls down and runs with. So it's like those are actually pass plays that are called. So it's like it's tough to see like in the data, like which of these are like scrambles and which of these are like designed yeah. quarterback runs. So I'm looking at stuff that I know 100 percent is like this is a designed run. This is a designed pass. So that includes sacks and things like that. But yeah he's fine your team's great they're gonna be fine yeah they need to win that less less than 50 times i think they want to i just think that sometimes they can't (laughs) they can't they can't like don't you know you watch your team they're they are running but aren't they there's a lot of times where they run first down and they don't get nothing and then that kind of discourages that that kind of discourages that whole thing. And I love throwing on first down, run on second down. But it seems like they're throwing on first down because he checks out of the run and then they throw on second down and then they throw on third down. For me, it's the opposite. When you have the fourth quarter lead, you need to start the clock. So you need to run on fourth first quarter down lead, regardless. different. Fourth quarter lead, I'm running the ball on first down or I'm play actioning. But yeah, fourth quarter lead is different than going through the game, having a like an earlier lead. Uh, they just want the ball in Josh Allen's hands as much as possible. Yeah, and they and got that against Tennessee. And it was really interesting because they lined up in kind of like a bunch shotgun. Well, kind of like a bunch pistol formation. Yeah. And then he he sees what the defense is reacting and he goes and he's like, all right, well, there's only four down linemen, so we're going to go up here and we're going to sneak it. And just mm-hmm. everything was happening. Like he rushed the play, which is why he slipped. Cause he's like, Oh, I see this. I don't want them to adjust in time. So I'm yeah, going to try yeah. and get up here to the line quickly. And you know, whatever, like shit happens. I don't fault them for trying to win that game on the road. Um, you can't fault him. I just, I just, I, I hate losing a game like that. Yeah. Well, I think it seeds uh home field. Cause now it's like, you got the Ravens, the Bengals, the Titans, uh, the Raiders, the Chargers, so there's a bunch of teams that now have a better record than the Bills. I still think the Bills will get. The Bills home haven't field. beaten any. It's yeah, you would think so because their schedule is so division. Easy. The rest of yeah, the and their division yeah. like this. The Ravens are going to have to play the Steelers, who are not terrible. The Browns, no, who are not terrible. There's another team in that division they have to play twice. That's the not Bengals terrible. just beat them. Exactly. 
The Bengals are one of the best teams in the AFC, if not the NFL. Yeah, it was crazy. That game was 17-13 Ravens to start the second half or to open the second half. And yeah. then the Ravens beat them or the Bengals beat them 41-17. They absolutely and a lot of that was a couple. Off. I mean, a lot of that was a couple of plays by Jamar Chase. Yeah, but I mean, he's been making those plays all season. No, I know. His defense just couldn't hold him in check. That's where you attack the Ravens defense's downfield. I think their their front seven are too good. Yeah, Mixon had a big play in that game as well. Like Cincinnati, just they seem to be better everywhere than the Ravens in that game. I mean, the first half was very close, very competitive. Yeah, they, and then down, they did second half. They just completely fucking beat the brakes off them. So, oh well, we got another week coming up. The Bills are back out of their bye. Can't wait. Coming off their bye, playing a Miami team, a get right game. 49ers yeah. need a, a must win in Chicago. I think it's Jimmy Garoppolo's last hurrah. If Jimmy doesn't have a good game right here, I think he's going to get benched. I do. I think that that Kyle wants to stick with him, but there's too much video now of him making a bad choice when he's got an open guy. There's a yeah. video that's viral around the internet of Mohamed Sanu crossing down the middle when two deep safeties are kind of going to the sidelines and he's wide open for a teeter and Jimmy checks down. And Jimmy likes to check down. Our third down conversion rate is terrible. And it wasn't when Jimmy's going good. When Jimmy's going good, he's converting those third downs. And he ain't converting them. Now, whether that's because he's missing Kittle, probably his favorite target. Probably. Yeah. But at some point, if we go two and five, let's see what this kid's got. Because Jimmy ain't going to bring us back from two and five, having to play the Rams still twice, the Cardinals one more time. Um, I feel like we have a couple other tough games. Seattle's always a tough game. And I just, I want to back Jimmy, but I feel like this is his last hurrah against a Chicago team that's not very good. Our defense should shut down Justin Fields and that anemic offense. And he needs to throw a couple touchdown passes and, and get us a W, get us a Jimmy Garoppolo W to snap this four game losing streak. And then next week we get back, uh, you know, Kittle and some of our guys and we got a huge game against Arizona. If Jimmy struggles, Trey Lance will start the Arizona game. Can they go eight and two the rest of the way to get to 10 and seven? Well, they're two and four now. So, so they would have to go to get to 10. Oh, that's and right. Seven, you eight. got, you got, you guys had a bye week. We had a bye week. So we're two and four now. If we lose to the bears in Chicago, I think I hate to say it, but yeah, that's tough. That's going to be tough. I know there's one extra playoff team. We still have to play some pretty tough teams, and it sucks because we're playing good defense. I know our corners are banged up. We miss. They keep saying, like even Nick Bosa in his press conference said that we're missing the vocal leadership of Raheem Mostert and George Kittle, and I guess that shows. And those were two guys that were involved in our Super Bowl run that we need, and we're, we're not going to have Mostert this year. Not sure if we'll ever have Mostert again. And George Kittle needs to come back. We definitely miss Kittle. And if Kyle Shanahan this season implodes, does he get fired? Like, how many opportunities does this guy get? It's tough. also I've never, been a, I've never been a big Kyle Shanahan fan, but I'm backing him. He's a good. I love he's, his, the, he's a good off. He's a good offensive mind for sure. But as a head coach, like that's there's a lot to deal with. I mean, are we saying that because you know they've drafted Lance, so I guess you'd give Shanahan one more year with his quarterback rather than firing him. I don't think, I think if the season imploded and we lose to Chicago, 
and then we lose to the Cardinals, and it's just a, a six-game losing streak. I don't think firing the coach helps us. I think that you let him finish it out, and then you give him one more go of it, and if it happens again next year, you're definitely fired. A lot of 49er fans would probably <laughs> want him out now. But I've seen this often succeed when the players are healthy, but we can't stay healthy. I don't get it. Yeah, don't I think understand. that's part of the problem, too, is that Kyle Shanahan has struggled to, like, get the product that he's basically promised the fans, like, when we're playing at a high level, like, and we're healthy, like, this is what our team can be. And it just hasn't been able to be consistent, like, in his tenure there. So it's not all on his shoulders, but there's a good chance that if you if you finish significantly below 500 there's a good chance he's fired. Like if you don't get more than five wins, there's a chance that he's out just because the the bar is so high for San Francisco. Like we I mean, can't have, we right can't have that kind of a season. Yeah. But he'll probably get a offensive coordinator job somewhere else. And then, yeah, that's what usually happens. Yeah. And then he'll, you know, put that offense back to the top and then he'll, you know, what, end up like going to Seattle. They need some help over there, but that's mostly on defense. But it's possible that Seattle and San Francisco both miss the playoffs. I mean, it's looking like that now. But again, yeah. long the longest season in NFL history. What it looks like right now is probably not what it's going to look like 10 games from now, even though yeah, it looks like true. something now. Like and so. I still have hope. It's just frustrating. It's just, I, I, this is a big game for us. This is a must-win game. I thought last week against the Colts was a must-win game, and we could have had that game. We could have had that At home in the rain. At home in the rain. You know, we were in it, and our, you know, we could have had that game. The Colts are a good team. I think the Colts might beat the Titans. Um, yeah, the Colts are pretty good. That's they're, another, they're, they're hitting their stride. That's another one of those games where it's like, Titans have just beaten the two best teams in the league. And are rolling into Indianapolis. It's a division game. I think the Colts off that win are riding high and starting to get confidence. And and I think the way they run the ball with that amazing offensive line, and you kind of saw it with Quentin Nelson back Juli, on, Julio's on the field. Out again. Julio Jones not playing for the Titans. It kind of they had when they're good, he's running good. He's making big catches over the middle. And the Colts know how to play against Derrick Henry. I'd like to see D the Derrick Henry games against the Colts um, because it's pretty much the same guys. So yeah. if they can shut down Derrick Henry, they win that game. I'm picking the Titans right now, but I have a feeling I'll make a dumb Chris Vanger last-minute cho choice <laughs> to the Colts. <laughs> I mean, the Colts' defense is built to stop Tennessee. Like, that's... Yeah. That's what their yeah. defense is geared towards. So it's like you got Leonard, you got Divorce Buckner. Like, it's meant to fill those gaps quickly and downhill and not let Henry get started. And, you know, even when the Colts were winless, they played a fairly competitive game against Tennessee last time in Tennessee. So, you know, they're definitely a live underdog in that game. For sure. For sure. But, but do you think, let me ask you a fantasy football question. Should uh -huh. I play... No, this is not PPR standard. Should uh -huh. I play Alex Collins against the Jags or Emmanuel Sanders against the Dolphins? Standard league. Touchdowns are weighted. Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Just because Sanders is touchdown dependent, where Collins could 
give you a nice like hundred yard day, mix in some catches to boost. But his the catches don't matter. Floor. And I would say no, just Sanders, his total yardage will be boosted by the ability to run and catch the ball. Where Sanders is agreed. Sanders' floor this year though is pretty high. I think yeah, he hasn't had a game, even though he doesn't have it. Like he, what he had six for ninety one last week with no touchdown. I feel like his floor has been like eight maybe less in the first game or two when he was kind of getting the offense. But now that he's intermixed, he's definitely taken some, st- you know, Stefan Diggs production. Um, yeah. He's even though Sanders Stephen Diggs is gonna, cuts, sorry. Sanders yeah. is going to give you typically about five catches in the neighborhood of 60 to 80 yards. Mm-hmm. And one, one of those might be a touchdown, but I think he's only had four touchdowns and it was two, two touchdown two games. games, two, two touchdown games. So it's like, is he going to have that game? I don't know. Uh, That's the way you attack Miami. It's not going to be a shootout. It's, yeah. you know. He's usually good for that, like, 70 yards, though. Because he, he catches that one deep ball that's typically, I like, wanted, 30 I'm, to 40 I'm, yards. If I'm, I'm, who scores a touchdown? Who The better odds score a touchdown, that's who I want to play. Collins. Because you get it. Collins from the one-yard line on a pass interference penalty with Gino going to DK. And they get down to it the just, one and they just give it to Collins. Uh, it's just you haven't had enough production from Penny or Homer or uh, I can't. They think split of the, carries though last week, pretty much, didn't they? Or they the, split snap usage. Uh, Collins has been having some pretty good fantasy weeks, and our league is not PPR, and he's been doing well. And no, it's just, he the last he, he runs hard. He, he runs like Marshawn. No, I like. I mean, I like him. I like him a lot. I think he probably does score a touchdown. I guess I just have a sour taste in my mouth because he didn't have a good game last week, but they were playing a really tough rush defense in the Saints. Yeah. And he still he got it going later on. He had 16 carries for 35 yards, but that's against a tough Saints run D. Penny had six carries for nine yards, but if you look at their snap usage, I feel it's pretty similar. Yeah, I think they were just like they were excited to get Penny back because he's been gone like most of the last two seasons. So they're like, yeah, we really want to like get him in there. And then it's like he didn't do anything with his carry. So they're like, okay, we'll put him in there, but we're not going to give him the ball. Also, does Gino even look at Lockett? <laughs> no, I don't think so. It's like he's, either way, gonna look- throw, he's throwing that deep ball to Metcalf or he's checking it down and running for like five or six yards. By the way, what a sick play by DK Metcalf to start that game off last yeah. week. Where was he the rest of the game? I didn't watch it. I was playing a guy who had Metcalf and was getting beat, but then all of a sudden, right when the game starts, then nothing the whole game. Why? Yeah. Just the Saints defense is pretty good, and that game was low scoring, and Gino's just not like consistent enough. And when I was talking to your dad on the phone, I was like, the Seattle offense desperately misses Doug Baldwin. So if I'm Seattle... John Brown is a free agent right now. He got released by the Broncos. Go get yourself John Brown. Because it's like they're not going to get Deshaun Jackson from the Rams, Rams, a division rival. But John Brown is a a good route runner. I I know, but they like Lockett is just, he's not the kind of route runner that Baldwin was. Like he's fast and he's crafty and he's really good when the play breaks down and getting open. But in terms of just like winning that matchup off the line of scrimmage and getting open, I think Baldwin was a a significant level above him in terms of the release. And I think Brown is that kind of crafty route runner that can give them that early look that just hasn't been there for them. Cause it's like, they can't really throw quick slants unless it's like Metcalf is winning the one-on-one on the outside. And that's like not as quick of a slant as you want. So 
I don't know. Go get John Brown. Like Seattle. Freddie Swain. I like Freddie Swain. Freddie's pretty good. It's just he's not quite there yet. He led your team you in know? targets. Yeah. Freddie's not a bad player at all. Uh, and I, they, they don't really use Everett correctly right now. So there's a lot of a lot of issues going on in Seattle. And number at the, the top of the list, it's like you have the worst defense in football. So Does Pete Carroll get really... fired this year? Is Pete Carroll out? I doubt he gets fired, but they may come to a mutual understanding that he wants to resign or something. But I don't know. If, if he still likes coaching, he's not going to go anywhere. That USC coaching job is open. You know Petey loves USC. <laughs> he wants to come back. Everyone keeps talking about – I mean, listen, I listen to sports, LA sports media, and everyone keeps talking about that USC coaching job. Mike Tomlin had to come out and adamantly deny that he was even care – would even do that because Mike Tomlin knows the Pittsburgh Steelers don't fire coaches. Mike Tomlin has a job for life if he yep. wants. But all of a sudden now that we're talking about Pete Carroll and how terrible Seattle is doing right now, and, you know, you, you got – Gino for a couple more weeks. Seattle's season, just like the 49ers, could be over pretty soon. And yep. maybe they fire Pete because, or just like you said, a mutual understanding. Pete's like, you know what? I've had my days in the NFL, but I still think I have some coaching for some young kids and I want to bring USC back to what I had it. That sounds exciting for Pete Carroll. I don't know if he has the energy anymore to do that, but it seems like his days in Seattle are done. It's just like the philosophy that he's preaching up there isn't translating into wins right now. And they were struggling even with Russell Wilson before he hurt his finger. It's like they're in yeah. games, but they're not moving the ball the way they should for a team that has a $35 million quarterback and a guy like Metcalf out there. And to like a guy like Carson too, it's like if they want to run the ball, it's like, well, you can't just have these guys hurt all the time and your, yeah, your pass protection I mean, sucks. Yeah. Chris Carson is such an example of like this good dude wasn't that good when he was coming out of college, but then there was like an off-season program or his training regimen where he came in really ready to play. Great shape, everything. And the way he runs is so hard. That's what they kept saying in camp is he runs so hard. And then you saw it on the field. The dude runs 100% and you don't want to tackle him. But that style of play, unless you're Derrick Henry, it relates in injuries. And does Chris Carson even play the rest of the season? I don't know. He's he's been hurt every single season, and he's got a neck injury. No, yeah. and that's, that's a scary like, one. So it's like you don't want to rush him. Your team's back. gonna yeah. When Russell Wilson comes back in week eleven, what's your record gonna be? And is Chris Carson gonna be like, damn? Do I want to beat myself up for the rest of the season, or should I just get healthy? All the more reason to get John Brown. It's like if you really want to let Russ cook and open the offense up the way that you want to. You need guys that can run routes and get open early because the longer Russell Wilson holds the ball, like the more he's getting sacked, like he's the most sacked quarterback in the league since he started playing. Because A, their, A, their offensive line sucks. B, it's tough for him to make the throw over the middle of the field because he's not, you know, your prototypical like 6'3 guy. So a lot of their stuff comes from them like breaking those plays sideways and so you need guys that can get open and get that release moving across the field and give him something to look at and give him a spot to throw to. And I think John Brown's a great fit for them. We'll see if I like it. We'll see if they're interested in making that move. But I don't know. He couldn't stay on the Raiders. He couldn't stay on the Broncos. And then the Broncos, too. It's like you have all this receiving talent, but then you got a guy in Bridgewater who doesn't have much arm talent and doesn't really like to throw the ball yeah, downfield. Yeah, he's like super accurate. 
He doesn't like but to throw the ball downfield. In that game against the, uh, it was Cleveland. Like he made some throws where I'm like, these are not professional level quarterback throws. Like he's underthrowing the receiver by a significant margin. I was like, I don't know if he's hurt or if it's the gloves or something like that that's giving him issues. But when you have the kind of receiving talent you do, and your playbook is designed to like get these guys to open up the field, and he can't make those throws, then like what are you even doing? And you saw it happen in Carolina last season. There's a reason Carolina let him go. Not for that sure. they improved with Darnold, but it's so funny. The uh, 49ers are trying to get Darnold, and Darnold looks so good in the beginning. Like Darnold will, yeah. when McCaffrey comes back, is gonna look better, probably, because you have yeah. that outlet. You have that outlet. Any every possession, you have that outlet. Both Denver and Carolina got off three and zero starts, beating up some bad teams, and then they are now. Looks like oh, co- competition got a little rough there, and oh crap, now our defense sucks, and we can't score. Tough. Um, I gotta get out. I gotta get out of here soon. But I wanted to say to you: Have you watched? We're watching a show on Netflix that I want to ask you. You don't like reality TV, right? Uh, I, I mean, I haven't watched it in a long time. Okay, there's a show on Netflix called The Insiders. Have you heard of it? Mm, sounds familiar. It's called The Insiders, and it is a reality show in Spanish. It's a Spanish reality show. Mm-hmm. Where all these reality shows, Jennifer and I watch a lot of them. It's definitely guilty pleasure, bad TV, where we watch these people that are trying to be reality TV stars, having conversations that are written for them by producers, and the producers are directing everything, blah, blah, blah. And we watch them, and we enjoy them, and they're great. But this one show called The Insiders that somebody told me about, I saw online somewhere, is a Spanish show where they pretend that these 12 people are in a casting process to be on a show called The Insiders, which will be very similar to all these other reality shows. But they manipulate their minds to believe that, okay, right here, this is where we're filming your casting process and we need you guys to stay in this part of our like compound that we built while we do the casting process. You have to stay with us for you know uh, two weeks and we will decide through then. So this is your space over here that we're not filming. And the type of conversations they've gotten because they manipulated people. Now, whether these people think they're being filmed or not, they're getting different conversations than these other shows because Mm. have people let their guard down when they think they're not on camera. And so then they're acting more like themselves. They're not having things. So this show is all in Spanish and it's awesome. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like a good idea. It was a really great idea. They're manipulating these people so much by like piping in through a speaker, what other people are saying about them. It's really manipulative and probably not good for people's (laughs) psyche, but it's very interesting and a very interesting human experiment on people, getting people to react in a way that they are not on camera, even though they are. I mean, if you're gonna make a reality show, you might as well spice it up a little bit. Oh, you have to. Throw some curveballs in there and not have it be the, the typical reality show you see across all other platforms so. yeah um i watched free guy loved it yeah it was fun paid for it and we watched something else that we paid for recently we haven't seen dune yet Dune's good i heard dune is great but yeah, i want to see it on the theater i think i could go to hbo max and watch it right now yeah we we opted to see it at the theater and i was not disappointed the theater is the right way to go for that movie yeah. but if you want to stay home and watch it on your couch like you know i'm not gonna tell anyone they need to go feel unsafe watch red notice when it comes out on netflix next week big red notice premiere 
support The Rock in this family. Yeah. The Rock, Gal Gadot, Ryan Reynolds in a comedy slash caper film. Straight like a, to Netflix. It's like an action heist movie or something. Right? Action heist movie, definitely. I had an argument. I almost got into an argument in my film class. I'll end with this. I almost got into an argument with my film class. And I should have said this, but these film students are like, this kid came out, he's like, yeah, we're talking about performance. And obviously mm -hmm. we watched One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. I had to watch My Left Foot. Have you seen My Left Foot? I don't think so. You should watch My Left Foot. Uh, it's Daniel Day-Lewis. It's about the story of Christy Brown, who uh, was a painter with cerebral, a very severe case of cerebral palsy. And he could only, and he learned to paint and write and type with his left foot. And he won so the Oscar for that, didn't he? He won the Oscar for, for Best Actor. He's amazing. Uh, they said that he put rocks in his shoes to like weight his foot down. He was so method that he was in a wheelchair the whole time in filming uh, when he went to restaurants after the set. And he said that because he didn't, you know, there was disabled kids on the set. And he didn't want to offend them. He just lived his life like a disabled person for, you know, the length of that production. And it showed on screen. The dude is unbelievable. The director came out back in July, I think, and just when they were, you know, because nowadays we look at old movies a little differently through the lens of 2021. And the director mm -hmm. said that if he had to cast that film in 2021, he would not have cast Daniel Day-Lewis to play that role. He would have cast a disabled person to play that role or given the opportunity to that. And I just think it's interesting because then you start to talk about, you know, what is acting? Um, I know that we are a society. We progress and have to be aware of people's feelings and how that impacts certain groups. Um, but it's sad to me that you'll never see a role played like Daniel Day-Lewis in this film. You'll never see Forrest Gump. And that, that those movies are part of me growing up, but I understand how they might've hurt marginalized groups. And so I understand why we're not doing it. it just kind of makes me sad. I'm glad we're progressing as a society. Uh, and I understand that, you know, I gave this example in class. Uh, the Hangover is one of the biggest film comedies of all time. When they were promoting The Hangover in the trailer, there's a scene where Galifianakis gets on the supermarket thing. It's like paging doctor. And I think they say the F word right there. Right. Uh -huh. That scene tested the highest amongst when they were making the trailer. Like people laugh so hard over that scene. And it's I mean, it's a funny scene, but it's definitely using the F word in a derogatory term to make fun of somebody. And. We have to progress the society and those jokes can't happen anymore, but I still love The Hangover as a movie. So that's kind of where the discussion went. Cripping yeah, that's a up is the, the term, the, right? Uh, I mean, if you're going to put, you know, why would you put a term to that? Like, who's doing that? Is that's there like what, a group, if you is there a group of ang angry handicap actors that are protesting? I, you know what? I don't know, but that's the term I learned. And if you Google cripple up, you'll find a bunch of articles talking about things like this. In the article about my left foot, a woman named Sally Phillips, I don't know who it is, but they quote her in the thing that's saying that, you know, playing a disabled person on film is just as bad as blackface. And it should be looked at as blackface. And it is in regards to our society. And films like that just won't get made because our society won't go watch those films. If they're going to do that, do you, and we haven't talked about this, but this is what the film class got on is what happened on the set of rust, right? I'm sure you saw what happened with Alec Baldwin. Uh, does that movie come out? Does that movie get made? It's almost done. They had to halt I, production, but as a person, I mean, am I even going to, 
go see that movie knowing what kind of shit went on on that production set that led to this woman's murder. Like, I'm not going to go watch it. To be fair, it probably wasn't a movie that I was going to, like, put at the top of my to-do list anyway. Right. So I don't know. I don't know that I'll be like, oh, now I want to go see it because I know someone, like, died in the process of making it. That's not going to move the needle for me. But, you know, there's a couple of families now that have to deal with what happened on that set. And you can't bring those people back. And if they're going to file lawsuits, then it probably makes sense for the production company to try and sell the movie to make money to pay off some of those lawsuits. But there's going to be a a black cloud. Yeah, I mean, The Crow was made, right? That's the other example that everyone relates to. The Crow was made and the lead was killed in that, you know? Um, And... I just don't, and I, you know, that's the only good argument to say that this movie does get made and put out and somebody will go see it. Even if I have moral integrity issues, someone will go see it. Uh, and so, yeah, that's what, that's just what we talked about. So anyway, the term cripple up refers to an actor getting in, in crippling his body to play this person, but isn't that acting right? Tom Cruise, you'll never yeah. see in days of thunder. And, and the whole reason, I'll let you finish, the whole reason that I even got on this and was because the one st- film student in the discussion said that he didn't think Tom Cruise was an actor, right? Because in every movie, Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise. He's not changing his role. And to that, I should have said, I just didn't want to get into it. Like, do you know Tom Cruise, buddy? Do you know how he acts when he's not on screen playing this Tom Cruise role that you think he just... Like that's his screen persona. That's what works for him to say that he's not an actor, I think is an insult. That's why I went to this story. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different types of actors, but if we're, if we're going to say that basically you cannot play a role of anything other than what you are, then you're going to change the entire scope of, filmmaking and artistic storytelling it's like should there be opportunities should there be opportunities for someone who's disabled to play the lead as a disabled character in a movie of course are there a bunch of disabled actors that are of the quality of daniel day lewis that i can't answer but i would tend to think not so i don't know we're entering a, a dangerous territory where i don't know it depends who is, I would say, like where the argument is coming from. Because I, I do adhere to the mentality of like, you don't get to be more offended than the victim, right? Right. So it's like, there's a lot of groups out there that are going to take a cause and run with it, even though the actual victim isn't the care. one that's pushing the issue. Yeah. So I think, you know, there is a little too much of that going on. But that's a discussion for another time that we can have in depth. Yeah, we'll do, I mean, we'll do I, it I on just, another show. Deal. I still haven't no. watched Chappelle's stand up yet, but I know that Neither have that I. was a, a good example of that exact discussion. And again, I think that you know, he knew what he was going to say was going to ruffle feathers. And he's been saying jokes like that his whole life. And we're at a time where you can't say those jokes anymore if you want certain people to watch your comedy. And maybe he doesn't care that those people aren't going to watch his comedy anymore. There are still going to be people that are going to watch his comedy, but in regards to, 
you know, brands getting involved with him for money for his, that's gone because the brands care about what people are currently caring about. And that's being kinder to marginalized groups. And if you're going to make jokes that were okay, 10 years ago, you're going to take the risk that you're going to get this backlash. And he took the risk and he doesn't care. But yeah, I am think, I a bigger look? Yeah. I will say this, like you, you have a comedian who is making jokes about a group and by doing so, like including them in the scope of comedy, like mm -hmm. we're joking, we're joking about all things because we're all equal. So then if you have the, the other side of that argument saying that you're not allowed to talk about this group because you're not part of it, then you're you're doing exactly the opposite of what he's doing. And you're saying this is a, a group that is now protected and excluded from the community of being in the circle where everything gets joked about. So I don't know. Yeah, no, listen, the, it's a blurred line because comedy in general, since comedy has been around, has been a blurred line. Um, I just think right now you got to be careful about what you say in regards to your comedy. You got to be smarter. And I hear your argument about including them, but, and I'm not a person of that community, but it sounds like that community has been pretty made fun of for a very long time. And now they don't want to be, and they don't want to be included in these jokes anymore that they have been included in, in the past. And people can make their own choices about what they're going to say, but currently in this today's societal climate that's what's going to happen and i'm not mad well, like at I, it i understand it's hurting in creative integrity but i think these comedians can be smarter about what they joke about um yeah but they're not supposed to be that's not what a comedian's supposed to do well, they're not supposed to go not... they're not supposed to go out there and just like tell the kind of jokes that are palatable to everybody it's their job to go out there and try to push the envelope Agreed. And there are things that are off limits and there's comedy that I don't like. When you make jokes about the Holocaust, not that into those jokes. Not in the Holocaust jokes. You here's know? the thing, and though. It, it, you can either make fun of everything or you cannot make fun of anything. It's right. one or the other. There's not like, oh, okay, well, you get to like draw the line. It's like, it's okay to make fun of all this, but now we're stopping it here. It's either everything is up for grabs or nothing is up for grabs. And so as someone and who's... Agreed, a, a proponent of free speech i think it all has to be on the table it's it is all on the table but just if you use your free speech here just know that people are kind of sensitive around things right now and you're taking that chance so sure. you have the ability it's the america but if you want to sure. make money in america you should probably cater your jokes to a little something different even though he probably made a shit lot of money from hurting for money yeah. by the way wasn't dave the one being like he was upset that his show, I don't know, the, the whole Netflix thing. Didn't they, uh, he was upset that they yes. were showing his show on he Netflix. He wasn't paid for it. And he wasn't getting paid for it, and they came and gave him a big deal for it. Yeah. I don't know what that has anything to do with it. But. I'll, I'll say this. I have not, like I said, I haven't seen I haven't his watched newest, it either. You haven't seen his newest special. It. I've read a lot about what's happened with it. I've read someone who's, like, broken down the entire, like, context of the joke he's telling. Yeah. In the past, I've seen Dave do stand up live. I've watched all his other specials Love it. and Love I've, I've seen I've seen him be criticized for what people at that time also said were uh, 
jokes that were like anti-trans and in listening to at that time the jokes that were being targeted as those mm -hmm. in me listening to those jokes i'm like i don't see it like to yeah. me what he's saying like if you're listening to the context of what he's saying he's not taking a stance against trans people in what i've heard so yeah but I, again yeah. i'm not in that group so i don't know that i wouldn't be offended if i were but no, the person I... to my understanding that was the target of these jokes in the most recent special mm -hmm. has been okay with it like okay. we're friends like i understand it so it's like maybe i'm incorrect about that but at least what i read there, quickly on there is Twitter. an element yeah there is an element of both that society getting on him a little bit more than probably they should have because of the time He's probably saying the same jokes that he did in the past that weren't anything wrong with them. He wasn't getting this backlash. He probably has lots of trans friends and, and he probably does, is not a, you know, a bigot, but he, there's gotta be a self-awareness that some of these jokes could be considered like that. Well, it's but like, he don't the, I, the idea that he's punching down, right? So the, the people that are saying that he's punching down are the people that are citing on the side of like he's anti-trans right but yeah. Chappelle's perspective is i'm not punching down i'm punching laterally because i'm including these people in the same circle that i'm in and by saying that i'm punching down you're the one that is now taking this group no, of people and, and that. putting them into a separate class i hear that i hear that it's it's comedy is subjective and he took a risk i'm sure he got some laughs out of it yeah, he I also mean, got some backlash it, it, that I'm not yeah. sure he did or did not want. But even as a fan of David Chappelle, just from listening to media and seeing the, and, and hearing how it affects certain groups, I like didn't want to watch it. And I probably should because I am a Dave Chappelle fan. He's made me laugh very hard for many years, and I never thought he was a racist. Even when he'd make you know jokes in his sketches where <laughs> he's a, the, the Ku Klux Klan leader as a black man and he's blind. He is not aware. Like that's hilarious. But Dave, probably Dave's a very intelligent guy and yeah. he crafts his jokes very specifically. So like it's, it's not, Oh, I accidentally did this. Like everything he does has intent. No, he knew what he was doing. Right. He, yeah. yeah, of course he did. So, uh, I, of course, I need to see it to like have a more fully formed opinion. Yeah, we had don't listen to <laughs> right. I know I'll, pro I'll probably get shit on for this, but in my experience with Dave Chappelle and his humor, in instances where he's been attacked for certain things, I felt that the attacks going in his direction were Not misinformed and out of context yeah. because no, I've seen a lot a, of people. I've statement. seen a lot of people on social media so far that like haven't even watched it but have just like jumped like on us. board because like me. it yeah because it's it's easy and because you hear other people saying the same thing and so you're also, like oh yeah, yeah I well also, i, I heard know, in the past that this happened so therefore i like i believe that it is still the case when i'm hearing it this time yeah i'll watch it fuck contribute yeah, it's I'll on watch but hey, I'm an Netflix. idiot. Like, don't listen out. to there me. There was a strike at Netflix. There was a strike. They there walked was? out because of the, of the the Netflix's CEOs had the same type of response that you had. That we don't think there's anything wrong with what he said. This is a free speech community. You know, if you don't have a problem with it, don't watch it. But they weren't really supporting the marginalized group. 
And then he even mentioned, uh, you know, a female comedian uh, who I think she's gay, uh, Hannah Gadsby, who's hilarious, has a great special on Netflix, and like mentioned her in his statement to his team and his public statement that we support many different types of marginalized groups. And then she came out and said that don't include me in this, blah, blah, blah. And it kind of just caused this uproar to where people didn't like his response because it wasn't supportive of the marginalized group. It was supportive of Dave and the, the they staged a walkout at Netflix because people were upset. I don't know how many people. I saw, I saw that. And so far, at least in, you know, I haven't, I haven't laid out all the research in front of me, but yeah, in, the, in the knee jerk kind of reactions that I've seen, I haven't seen like a, a well thought out, like criticism of the, the approach to what he said. I've seen yeah. good, well thought out contextual criticisms, like in defense of what he said, but I haven't mm -hmm. seen it going the other direction. And so I need to do more homework if we're actually going to like have a full fledged conversation about, about that. Yeah. And like I said, I'm an idiot. I sit here in my yeah, office and I, I created a podcast, you know, for fairly cheap. Uh, don't listen to me. I'm stupid. No, you're an idiot. Me too. Exactly. Don't listen to us. No, right. we're just fucking we're dumbass white boys that like to talk about fucking football. So exactly. Don't listen to That's me. what the show should be. <laughs> That's what it should be called. Dumbass white boys that like to watch football. That'd be a good. That's a good podcast. Yeah, it's oh, a little right, it's a little wordy, but yeah. All right, you want sometimes do... the more wordy ones do well. It's so competitive in the podcast game these days. I know. I just had to keep the branding on point since I already had the website. I was like, I can't create I know, a I, differently named podcast. I know. I, know. Um, I am going to Halloween Horror Nights tomorrow for, I think, for the first time. Uh, I don't think I've ever been there. Uh, but Jennifer has never been there either. And uh, she's been wanting to go for the whole time we've been dating. She's always like, are we going to Halloween Horror Nights? And I think because it's so expensive, I'm like, no, we're going to Not Scary Farm. No, we'll do the Halloween Haunted Hayride. And so this year, finally, we are going to on the board yeah cool have fun with that man uh you interested in trying to get on the pick'em show tomorrow morning or are you gonna pass yeah, yeah yeah what time are you gonna do it uh well we typically like walk down to starbucks and then come back and sit down and have some coffee and go through it so about 10 deal that's fine 10 10 in the a.m all right cool 10 in the a.m yeah we'll do it cool well thanks for stopping by man cool man thanks for having me I'll talk to you tomorrow go braves Go Braves, fuck. Can beat, they get away the with trap. that tomahawk chop, though? <laughs> Is that a tomahawk chop not offensive to people anymore? Like, how are they getting away with that? Oh, I'm sure it's super offensive. But, I mean, <laughs> what do you hate more? The tomahawk chop or the cheating Astros? Like, I, I see why people don't like this World Series. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Um, I think the, gosh, it's thumb torn. Because get rid of the tomahawk chop. Like, But it's just such a... Like I grew up with that, like watching NLCS and the big moments, yeah. and so get rid of it. They will never. They've got glow. They, no, they've got glowing tomahawks, and what are they going to do with the chant <laughs> if they get rid of the chop? <laughs> they've got. I feel like we missed out. They probably still do, or they don't. They probably don't sell the tomahawk foam, right? Didn't they have the tomahawk foam? Yeah, they do. do I they see sell them. The them? You'll you'll see them tonight. All right, can't wait. Go Braves! I hope Freddie Freeman hits a dong. Yeah, just beat the Trastros. It's okay. The Trastros. Yeah. It's, you know, Dusty Baker is the only one redeeming thing. I love Dusty excellent, Baker. Excellent, excellent manager.
And if they win, it's good. That's going to be mostly because of him, because he's a great manager. He is. So. And damn we'll Altuve, see. he's a freaking great hitter. Yeah. Whoever gets to watch the game tonight, enjoy it. If you're going to watch it, we got plans. So we'll. I'll see like the first couple innings, and then we're we're going to the California Bank Stadium for that Nightmare Before Christmas show with uh, Oingo Boingo lead man Danny Elfman and Billy Eilish is there as uh, she's doing the vocals for sally so should that's be awesome it is that's awesome, awesome. It's a, they they released one more show on halloween night on sunday but we got the tickets before that was an option so wow tonight it is that's awesome good enjoy that we're both doing some fun stuff all right i'll talk to you tomorrow cool take care buddy see you buddy thanks to everyone who took the time to listen to the episode if you enjoyed it Please help me out by liking, subscribing, sharing, wherever you get your podcasts. This show is an extension of thescheiss.com. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can contact me at info at And until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Bills!